What's up? Welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Claire Jolie, a strategist in Paris who spent a little bit of time in London. We're not going to talk so much about strategy today. One of my secrets is that when I go around the place, I often catch up with strategists and then we talk about strategy. And within a few minutes, maybe a couple of hours, we end up not talking about strategy. We end up talking about life. And some of them are my favorite conversations ever. And when I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago at a relatively spontaneous gathering of strategists in La Bastille, thank you to Gregory Duquesne for organizing that. We ended up talking about feminism, romance, independence, relationships, what these words mean to different people and specifically to Claire. And there were echoes in this conversation that I'd heard in Stockholm, Sao Paulo, London, and New York. And I thought it'd be interesting to try to capture what's going on and to not really touch on strategy at all. And hopefully if you're listening to this and feel a little bit alone in your thoughts about these ideas, you might find an ally in Claire. Claire, welcome. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. Feminism. How do you understand that word? Um, feminism is um, a big word that can feel a bit scary at times. It's um, a big one to appropriate and to say, I am a feminist. But feminism, if I had to, to resume it, would be one, one question. Do you think that uh, women are equal to men? Mm. That is feminism to me. And is that a controversial question? I think it's not a controversial question. And that's why I like to actually ask that question to um, people that might be reluctant to feminism because just coming back to going back to the basics asking do you think i as a woman am unequal to you for a boy a man just going back to this basic you just um make the other people realize that feminism is all about asking for gender equality mm. and no one can really be uh, against equality can mm. they I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, historically, I'd say yes. And I think there are people now who would say yes. It's a very complicated idea, equality. Uh, you hear people talking about equality of opportunity versus equality of outcomes. And some people want equality of everything. And some people find nuance within those ideas as well. So, yeah, I, I think there are diff many different points of view on these things. But it, it, I mean, personally, it seems like an extremely reasonable question. And I would say that the answer is yes. But the word feminism, is that a word that you think puts people off the question, like the, the word leading with that word or identifying yourself as a feminist in a conversation, yeah. in a conversation, does it put people off? Yeah, definitely. I think the word uh, feminism is a bit scary and might um, actually be misinterpreted because misunderstood and oh sorry <laughs> I'm missing mm -hmm. this word but not understood properly mm -hmm. because um, it puts the um, feminine side first and um, some people might think that 
feminists uh, are asking for all the power, whereas it's a question of equality and um, giving everybody a chance to do what they want. Mm. And so I think the the etymology, the 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 word in itself can be misleading. Mm. Um, and also because you know a lot of people are feminists today, and there are a lot of different movements within feminism, some of which have stronger actions, different points of views. Mm. And I think that's amazing. But the media often showcase the most violent actions, the um, polemics, the the actions that can be uh, a bit difficult to agree with. And Mm -hmm. so that can be, I understand that it can be difficult to say that you're a feminist when in the media you see some actions that you think are too violent or don't really understand what they're trying to do. So yeah, actually saying that you're a feminist is not that easy and I can understand that, Mm. of course. Yeah, I mean, there is a small narrative out there that that I I think is reasonable to describe as extreme, which is about tear everything down. Yes. Get rid of men and we'll replace them with everything else. That's not that. And that's a small, that's a small, small group of people, but they're very loud. And so it's, and they come under the umbrella of feminism for some people who haven't explored these ideas in a very deep way. Uh, I mean, do you find, do you. hmm? And if you're shattering norms, it's always scary for people who are in power, right? Totally. The shattering of norms. It's a really interesting question, I find. Does the topic of feminism and the introduction of yourself to a group or to a room of people as a feminist, are those two things quite common? Um, I try not to hide it anymore. And uh, that's actually already a big step. And when being asked if I'm a feminist, I try to be unapologetic about it. Uh, But I wouldn't go as far as stepping in a room and saying, I am a feminist, here is my point of view. I don't want it to be um, the focus of every conversation I have. Mm -hmm. I prefer to, um, to see what the conversation is going to be about and talk about my beliefs. And then if someone asks me, are you a feminist? I'm not going to hide, to hide this. Yes. Mm. Uh, what was the shift for you from not talking about it that much to being relatively front foot with it and discussing it in conversations? Well, I think that I've, um, I've grew up with a very feminist dad and um, feminism has always been a part of my life. But um, it was very hard even five to seven years ago to say that you were a feminist for multiple reasons. First, the movement is really complex and hard to understand and there's so much literature to be done and so many cultural references. And so sometimes you might think, am I really allowed to say that I'm a feminist even though I haven't read? all of these um, books and seen all of these movies that talk about feminism. 
So you have to, I think, uh, free yourself a bit from all of that and just say, I am a feminist because uh, I just believe in gender equality. And then I think um, another thing uh, which has freed me a bit was the fact that uh, people are more eager to talk about it. And um, it's, a, it's a hot topic, isn't it? Um, mm. Everyone has an opinion and it's becoming quite cool to be a feminist, actually, which helps a bit <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in some circles, of course, not uh, everyone um, see that in the same way but uh, you know with talking about this um, the fact that um, in fashion in uh, beauty in celebrities the, um, a lot more people are saying that they are feminists so people that we look up to or brands that we look up to so it's becoming easier for us as individuals mm. to actually say well I've got something to tell you I'm mm. a feminist and that's okay. Uh, do you think there are any specific dynamics around this discussion, around the topic, around feminism that are apparent in France? Uh, do they take on a different shape? And I'm, I'm thinking back to when the Me Too movement really kicked off. I, from memory, there was a, at least one, maybe multiple, but at least one very well-known female French actor who didn't like the idea of the Me Too movement, who, who felt that... Yeah. It, it was not the right thing to do. do can you, for the people who aren't aware of that story, do you know enough about us to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Well, I think uh, feminism and romance are very interesting to to talk about when when in France, because France is the epitome of of anything romance related. And um, especially when you live in Paris, I mean, you have all those cliches around you. And um, some people, uh, when the Me Too uh, movement rose, actually disagreed with how things were being dealt with. It was, um, there was a lot of passion behind it. And um, people said that it was, um, not good to do it in public. Uh, that's something that you should deal with um, with the justice, and um, because it could hurt a lot of families and children, and etc. Mm -hmm. And there was also there were also several actresses, like women, who said they disagreed with what we were talking about, and that they called it le droit d'importuné. So basically they were defending the right for men to hit on women in the streets, like saying, oh my God, you're so beautiful and stuff, which was actually what women were complaining about uh, in France as individuals after the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's funny because it's a subject that still arises um, when I'm with friends and we still disagree <laughs> with each other. And um, yeah, there was so many, so much tension actually mm. around the subject. And uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, but um, there actually was a Me Too movement within the advertising agency in France mm. that, um, that came up. So there was this movement about, um, and it's still happening about um, 
just being aware and more conscious of uh, sexism and um, harassment, sexual harassment mm. within the, the industry, which is mm. really important to be aware of. And wasn't there an incident in Paris where uh, a female waiter or a waitress was kind of accosted by a guy and he ended up hitting her. He, he yeah. said something to her. She talked back. I don't know if she was physical. I don't think she was physical back. It was all captured on film yeah. and he ended up hitting her running away. They arrested him. Yeah, what- actually he was, he told her something and she was obviously feeling um, not okay with it. And she hit him back, I believe. And uh, he ran away and eventually got arrested for it mm. yeah so she, she, I don't, did she hit him yeah she did I she think. did was that after he hit her uh yes but with words so he, he hit he was, on her is he it hit on word? her yeah he yeah. hit on her yeah, <laughs> yeah i just want to because i know we're sort of using the word hit in different ways here so i just yeah. want to be really really clear uh yeah but i yeah then he, he i think he punched her didn't he in a push it to the ground or something from memory what what is the why does paris or what if why does france have this reputation of of men talking to women in the street like that so much and being quite uh self-righteous about their need to and ability to do it i think it's uh our latin heritage uh, that uh just shows through this kind of behaviors and um there's actually, it is even a part of our culture, of the a tradition, and it's being discussed a lot at the moment because a lot of people believe that feminism is killing romance, and romance is so big in France that, you know, everyone has an opinion on that. And I don't know, from experience, I can tell you, going out in Paris as a woman, you have 50% of chances to be um, that someone, that some guy is going to come up and talk to you. Mm. So that's a lot. And um, I think women are going from passive to active roles now. And we are more aware of the fact that it's, bad for our mental health to be treated that way. And so we are decon- just um, reconsidering what romance is today. Mm. And the fact that, you know, just accepting romance as it is, accepting the fact that we allow or tolerate the fact that men hit up on us when walking in the street, mm-hmm isn't helping and romance isn't helping because we are, I think, conditioned by culture, Mm -hmm. books, movies, Disney movies, particularly to, to have this conception of love where genders are being performed and we are expecting women to be like, you know, caretakers and men to be, um, having all the powers, hmm. but um, that's something to be thinking about. Is romance really, is feminism really killing romance or is yeah. it just 
a way to reconsider romance in a shifting society. Mm -hmm. is, is your experience as a French person in Paris that Paris and France are very romantic or is this more a story comparing certain stereotypes and, and maybe traditions within the French culture to other places where you're like, oh, we seem more romantic. You know, do you feel, you know, I don't walk around New York and think, oh, I'm feeling really romantic or look at all these really romantic things here and all these other people are seeming to be very romantic, even though you do see romance on the streets here. But is it, is it something that's very conscious about growing up in France? Oh yeah, I think you cannot help yourself but fall in love with anybody when walking at night in Paris. <laughs> I'm really? Not even, I'm not even kidding, to be honest. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's so, I mean, it's so beautiful. Like when you look at the Eiffel Tower and just walk along the Seine, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in love with Paris, to be honest. I think you've, you've got that by now, but... Yeah, okay. I think okay. I'm very conscious about it. Okay. So is feminism killing romance, uh, generally speaking? But you know what, let's, let's give you a more specific question. As you've become clearer in your thoughts and identity around feminism, how has it affected your romantic life? Hmm. Well... I am, I like to think I'm independent, but after one specific breakup a couple of years ago, I realized that I was financially independent, but not emotionally. And that in order to be true to my beliefs, I needed to learn how to be single for a bit. And I think in our society, you, you know how we talk about the crazy cat ladies. Mm -hmm. That's a failure, right? You're old and you just have two to three cats and you're single. And even Bridget Jones eventually gets married, right? Mm -hmm. So being single in our society is not valued. And I wanted to experience that in order to, to see if I could be an independent woman and uh, yeah, to see if I could challenge myself and be emotionally as well as financially independent. And that can be really hard to, to keep that spirit when meeting someone new that you want to engage in a romantic relationship with. But it's all about... Um, how can you make someone understand that you need to lead an independent life and try to make it fit with your romantic engagement? Mm -hmm. And that's what, what? something that I'm currently struggling with, to be honest. What's, uh, what, what's financial independence to you? Because obviously that can mean a lot of different things as well. For some people, being financially independent means that they don't need to depend on a job or an employer. I have a feeling you're using that in a different way, though. What's yeah. financial independence mean to you? It means uh, not having to rely on someone else to, um, to make my own decisions in life. It's all about 
being able to rely on myself, not on someone else, because for so long, women have been deprived of, finan of being financially independent, which meant that they were, um, it was harder for them to ask for divorce because, well, if they're not working and they have three kids to take care of, um, having a divorce is obviously going to be a bit hard and you would stick to a relationship that you are not comfortable with or happy with. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's all about being able to just count on myself and rely on myself only in order to be able to make the decisions I want for myself. Mm. But that doesn't mean uh, not having to work or, um, or I don't know. It, it just means that I am free because I've got a bit of money. Not, not so much, but, you know, just having a, a job allows me a lot of freedom. And then, you know, as far as being single, is that something that you've had to do to people around? Do you find that people around you are judging you or giving you unnecessary comments about that? It's not really a judgment. It's more, I've seen um, two ways to be treated when being single. If I'm a bit caricatural, you know, there's, um, when you're a girl, everyone always asks you, are you seeing someone? Okay, well, you've dated this guy. What's going to happen next? If you don't really like him, then jump to the other one. And you end up just going from one relationship to another one. And I've noticed that at least within my group of friends, when a guy is single, he's not being bothered with it that much. And it's just a, yeah, there's just a difference in how men and women are treated, at least within my group of friends again. Mm. And um, I was not really comfortable with it. And I had to, to say, well, you know, I would like to uh, not being asked that question all the time because it doesn't make me feel great and it doesn't make me feel comfortable. And there's a lot more topics I want to speak with you. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's not a judgment. It's just that I feel as a woman, we are a lot more conditioned to... Um, to look for a man to feel complete. Mm. And yeah, it, it all goes back to the myth of Aristophan, you know, the fact that we were born with four legs and four arms and we were separated at some point and that love means finding the part that is missing to feel like a whole. Mm -hmm. And I think as women we are more prone to feel that kind of pressure yeah that's a that's a narrative that i'm relatively new to fighting against actually because i, I think that was a big part of the narrative that i grew up around uh, you know even though i grew up in a divorced family my mom ran a singles group so my when i was young and sometimes i would cook for you know 
simple stuff, but at some of these events and I would hear a lot of the conversations either at the events, the few that I was actually at, I was often not there or just because people came to our house and, you know, mum would talk to them about dating. And it was usually, for me, it was usually women pretty upset with men, right? That's what I grew up with it from a very young age for, <laughs> for a few years. Uh, and so it's not that I necessarily thought that getting married would complete me, but I, to me, there were actually two parallel narratives. One was that, and it was a subtle one. And it's in the movies that we see Jerry Maguire was, you know, yeah. a big, a big movie back then. And these ideas are very prominent in Jerry Maguire, for example. Um, the, the second is that having grown up in a divorced family and having a brain that's a little bit different, uh, that the parallel narrative was that I was broken and through a relationship could be fixed. It wasn't even necessarily that I was going to get completed because that wasn't really an explicit thing. It was just in the culture, but perhaps, you know, I needed someone to fix me. That was like, and also, that, so I had these two parallel narratives out there. Uh, whereas recently I'm, I'm more aware through people's writing, through talks I've watched about uh, there are lots of different kinds of relationships, lots of different kinds of, uh, of romance, lots of different kinds of love. And the love that I love the most is where there are two people relatively powerful in their own independence. Power to me is creative and self-aware and active, doing interesting creative things in the world. Uh, and it's not that they have to be together at all times, but when they are together, they're even more powerful, but there's a respect and a trust and mm. that they go about their ways and their lives together, but also with an expectation of independence. But the coming together is, is even more powerful more often than not. Now we all know that long-term relationships are very difficult and it's not as, as clean as what I just said, but I, I prefer that as a metaphor or as a narrative for, you know, the kind of love that I, look for and I use that uh, platonic love or, or romantic love, you know, so yeah. I've, I've, I'm, I'm new to understanding these things. Do, do, do those themes, are they similar to the ideas that you're playing with? Yeah. Love that empowers. It sounds great. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't like that? Hmm. I would actually. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. It's just, I, I've, I think it's weird that if you're going to love someone that you wouldn't want them to be a powerful human powerful contributing creative human it's it's strange that there are i mean there are a lot of people out there who want to get married and then turn the power off of their partner and that's not a gender specific thing yeah. i know I, I know a lot of men because i mostly talk to men about these things i know a lot of men who feel that the power was turned off uh, on them in the mm. relation in the relationship and they basically become a salary <laughs> and that's you know that's just I'm not, i don't know what the percentages are it's not even relevant but that that's a, a feeling that can be out there after a while uh, which is very different to perhaps the, for the man, it's very different to what they saw in their fathers or grandfathers or uncles. Yeah. So uh, yeah. how do you, well, yeah. So what, like, so the, I guess a slightly, uh, the word extreme is not the correct word, but uh, an exaggerated example of independence is probably the city of Stockholm, uh, Sweden, Scandinavia, they do get used a lot to explore some of the, these ideas of coupling and, and romance and relationships. In Stockholm, from what I was told when I had a, a similar conversation actually with strategists up there over drinks, is what I heard is that Stockholm about, in Stockholm, about 50% of the households are single-person households. And, you know, I haven't explored how that's affecting people, but there's independence and then there's also loneliness 
right? Mm. And and yeah. I, I think I think they're bedfellows. Do you ever feel a sense of loneliness in your independence? And if so, how do you deal with that? To be honest, I don't really feel lonely because I lead a very active social life. And um, when I go back home at night, I, I don't, the, the vast majority of time, I don't feel lonely at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to me, like you're talking about the fact that in Stockholm, 50% of households are single, right? That's what Is I was it, told. Yeah. Yes. yes. And yeah, it can lead to, to loneliness. But I think this independence, whether you're single or in couple, probably leads to good things. I've recently read a study uh, that was proving a very good point. And the fact that when you're independent, you have a greater ability to communicate with your partner and that leads to eventually a better satisfaction within your relationship. So taking it to the extreme might lead you to, to be single, but at the end, I'd rather be, there's a saying in French that says, uh, rather be single than unhappy, basically. I don't know if you've got the same one in, in English, but I think, I think that works. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. And um, I can help myself, but uh, saying the same. And once again, I'm 25 years old, so I'm actually not in a hurry to mm-hmm. settle. Mm-hmm. And that point of view might change once I turn a bit older. Mm-hmm. And that would be interesting to have this conversation again at that point. But um, for now, you know, I'm just enjoying the Paris life. Uh, being independent at 25 years old and not really feeling lonely, Mm. not at all. And actually, you know what? I've done uh, this for the first time this year. Uh, I've been to the cinema on my own and that was a bit scary for me because, I don't know, it's not something you picture yourself doing Mm -hmm. um, alone very easily. Mm. And uh, actually, I really loved it. And that's something I want to challenge myself to do because... Sometimes it's great to have a bit of entertainment by yourself. Mm-hmm. So being independent, but not lonely and uh, finding it great, actually. Yeah. I, uh, uh, not, uh, it's, hard, uh, it's hard not to jump in on that one. Like, I, I do a lot of stuff by myself. It's so, it's, it's so irrelevant to your experience in so many ways. But yeah, going to movies, going to stand-up comedy, going to galleries, all all things and i've done that since i was a teenager kind of grew up with uh well i was sold it as independence actually (laughs) but people just weren't around very often uh and and i and i loved it i've never really questioned it i know i'm a guy and there's different dynamics around these things and 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 a white guy as well i have you know friends who are people of color who have pulled me up when i've said you know i love going to stand-up comedy when i visit cities by myself and they're like yeah i'm you know if they're female person of color lgbt they're like yeah i can't really do that because it doesn't always go well in some parts of the world so i I know there's a privilege that that i I carry with that so i mean if if 
do, do you think feminism is killing romance? Is it killing it or is it just creating a different kind of romance? Are we in a weird stalemate situation in, in society right now? I understand that it might be scary for, especially for men to think that it's killing romance. And um, I understand that it's um, questioning a lot of norms and that it can be a bit, um, that you can be a bit distraught when thinking about it because you don't really know how to act. And, um, but I think overall, it's just, we are in this weird transition period where we are questioning a lot of things and it's in the end, it's going to be worth it. And feminism isn't killing romance. It's just pushing you to reconsider what romance is and um, encouraging us to find romance in new shapes and forms. And actually, I think romance is, it's important to rethink it. Why? Because there's um, something bad that comes with romance, both for women and for men. For women, it's just about um, not taking the power and just uh, depending on someone to fulfill your desire because you're expecting someone to bring yours. Yeah, you're expecting someone to bring you so much. So I think that's a bit toxic. And the other part is it's romance isn't great for men either because, oh my God, it, put, it puts so much pressure on your guy's shoulders. Uh, it's like uh, you have to be this great Prince Charming and um, you have to master these grand romantic gestures and stuff. That can feel like a lot of pressures, uh, pressure. I don't know what you think about that, Mark, but um, mm. <laughs> I well, think... I yeah, tell me. Uh, I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever done grand gestures in a French way. And I, I think I, I would have seen myself as a romantic as a teenager. I used to write a lot of love letters, but I now understand that as uh, me bringing to life one of my love languages, which is words. But I, yeah, I used to write a lot of love letters. And you know what? I used to write love letters on behalf of friends. And uh, <laughs> I used to enjoy it. You know, I used to enjoy the poetry of love. And I studied French. And I, there was probably a little bit of a French influence in me doing that. Uh, and early on in, you know, in my relationship, I, I probably was more romantic, more considerate, uh, over time, <laughs> you know, sometimes relationships and families become very utilitarian, uh, especially if you move countries and live in a very expensive city mm. with, with kids. So yeah, the, the, the grand gestures and, you know, you know, f for me, you know, having a wife who was wanted to be treated like a princess and spend a lot of money on things that aren't really that useful, like amazing clothing and makeup and all that, that other kind of cliche traditional stuff. I'm not really in, into that, but uh, you're just making me feel that I need more, more, I need more romance in my relationship. I'll have to, <laughs> I have to fix this. Cause honestly, for me, the, I think criticism kills romance more than feminism kills romance. Definitely. Uh, and yeah. The longer you are with people, I hear these stories a lot. Apparently, for a lot of people, the more criticism there is. And then you're like, you know what? If I can't get anything right, I'm not even going to try anymore. And you hear that story quite often uh, mm. with people in long-term relationships, not with everyone. And if you are in a long-term relationship and you don't feel that, that's incredible. Shout-outs to you. Uh, you know, what, what about the etiquette? So the, I know there are some cliche questions I could throw in here, and I'm gonna, I'll probably end up doing that. Uh, you know, who, who pays on the first date, for example? 
Um, actually, I've uh, talked about this with my colleagues a few weeks ago. And uh, my answer to that question was, I always uh, pay for the first drink. And one of my colleagues answered, yes, but you always take three more drinks after mm. this one. <laughs> and you might not pay for the three, the three last drinks. So, yeah. I mean, it depends, like, how you feel about it. There's, I don't like to think there's a rule, um, but, um, but I usually feel more comfortable with the idea of paying for me or for both persons because that makes me feel like there is no wrong expectations um, when doing that. Because if the guy pays for your drink first... It's just like I owe you something and I don't want to owe you anything. I don't even really know you. It's a first aid kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what I do. And uh, But I don't refuse um, to, uh, to enter a place if a guy is holding a door for me. I'm not, you know, it's all about um, personal judgment and... Um, the the context and situation and mm. you don't have to be radical about everything <laughs> that right, would be right. that yeah and are dating apps big in in your peer group or big within paris yeah quite big actually mm. yeah most uh, i think it's uh um mo most of my single friends would be on dating apps but there's kind of a shame surrounding the downloading and using of these apps um which is a bit crazy there's this um scare of um swiping and seeing like one of your colleagues or ex-boyfriend or friend of a friend uh, but we're all on the same boat aren't we and that's just that's quite fine with me and yeah but it's yeah most people would use it in france in Paris, actually. Based on your clearer sense of of being a feminist and being a feminist in, in public, uh, do you, has your behavior using dating apps changed? Do you expect different etiquette? Do you conduct yourself in different ways? Um, I, I don't know if the two are linked, but I'm... I mean, if someone tells me straight away that they de disagree with anything feminist related or that they don't believe in um, the need to protect the environment or, I don't know, um, or they don't like Beyonce, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a romance killer for me. Uh, so, yes, that's, uh, I'm quite definite about um, these topics and wouldn't... Um, wouldn't really uh, be willing to engage myself in another discussion about why is it so important it is so important to be a feminist today because that can be a bit exhausting when you're mm. defending the cause yeah do you uh, use the do you use the word feminist or feminism in your dating profiles and or do you tend to talk about it on a first date I don't use it on my profile because I don't say anything, I think, on my profile. Yeah, I don't. It's blank. It's I'm playing the mysterious card, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once again, just like how I would behave with my friends, um, I wouldn't 
uh, talk about it straight away. Uh, but if the guy um, talks about it, then I wouldn't hide it. It's all about being honest, um, okay. whatever the subjects. Okay. And if it comes up, it comes up. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Where, um, where are some of the most romantic parts of, of Paris for you? I know you mentioned walking past the Eiffel Tower or walking along the Seine, but where, where are the most interesting romantic parts of Paris? Are you asking me for any travel advice for when you come with your wife? <laughs> on I'm asking on behalf of other people who will go to Paris. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Um, I think... Um, Montmartre is a, is a must-do, um, and um, Les Buttes-Chaumont, maybe, uh, it's a park, and uh, in the summer it's really beautiful, and you can just listen to music and uh, people, watching people dancing and having a great time, and just, just go buy a, a, a bottle of red wine and something to, to eat and enjoy the sunset, I think. It's quite amazing. And um, the Parc de Belleville, too, is, uh, is great to have um, a view of Paris that uh, most tourists don't actually know about. So you would be quite uh, in a calm environment, not too crowdy and not too touristy. Mm -hmm. That's my... And just go walk along the Seine River. It's just the nicest thing to do, mm. obviously. So perhaps last question or one of the last questions. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. Uh, is, is that a big thing in France? I realized that it's becoming bigger and bigger. I just got emails uh, from various brands uh, about Valentine's Day. And even in my canteen, they made, um, wait for it, pink heart-shaped burgers. <laughs> <laughs> it was hideous um so yeah it's a bit everywhere actually in france at the moment but we have a very different uh, way than in the united states to celebrate um valentine's day mm -hmm. in france it's more like uh, you have to celebrate it with your husband boyfriend or partner in life in general mm -hmm. um whether I feel like in the United States, from what I can see, and correct me if I'm wrong, I might be, but it's more celebrating love. So that can mean uh, you have your Valentine's Day, I, I believe, which is celebrating a Valentine's Day with girls, your girlfriends. Uh, in France, it's love in a very romantic way, sense mm. of it. Yeah, and I think when my kids were a little bit younger, sometimes everybody would get a Valentine's Day card or mm. they, would, they would all give each other gifts. It was just a, it was a, a less specific thing, more, more inclusive, less specific than perhaps what I'm hearing the French experience yeah. of, it, of it is. Uh, and for some people it's kind of, it's triggering, you know, if, if they're single and they're not with someone and they see all this advertising or, or, or maybe if they've had a really bad relationship and uh, you know, they see all this romantic advertising and, the world is telling them that they're supposed to be in a relationship, supposed to find themselves in a relationship and supposed to be, and they're supposed to celebrate that relationship today. You know, how did, how did you feel about it yesterday? Does it affect you? Is it a non-event? Is it fun? 
it was uh well i decided to take the pink heart-shaped burger <laughs> but uh, to celebrate uh, any kind of love i think that's a great idea that you guys have and um and uh, no i was just uh, in a train uh yesterday going back to my parents house so uh, i had a good excuse of uh being uh, to be alone uh, yesterday night <laughs> so uh, no i didn't feel bad and um if i were to be in paris um, I would uh, probably just uh, have a drink with friends and not make a big deal out of it um, because that's just my personality. But I think it can be a bit depressing for some people and just um, be aware of it is uh, something that we should all do. And that's okay to be single. You don't have to feel the pressure to to be engaged in a romantic relationship. Mm. Uh, that's, that's something important, I think. And uh, you can find happiness within um, being single, mm -hmm. just very simply. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Claire. I, I, these are kind of really big topics and I, I personally feel it's very easy for me, not for you, but very easy for me to be clumsy with some of these topics using language that might offend or that is unclear. <laughs> so I appreciate your patience with me as I fumbled my way through, through this kind of conversation. Any final thoughts on feminism, independence, romance yes. and relationships? Yeah. There's just um, one book that I think is really enlightening and that I would love um, you to tell me your thoughts on it if you've written already or just to have a read, a quick read. It's called, uh, it's by a writer and feminist called Mona Cholet, uh, C-H-O-L-L-E-T. And she's called, she's written a book called Sorcières, Witches. Um, and that's a must read for me. I, I, I can't uh, imagine that it's not being translated into English. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it is. And uh, that's a really powerful read about uh, why the um, feminism is actually being embodied by witches. That's a must read. <laughs> okay I'll, I'll, I'll check that out i'll check that out thank you for sharing yeah. uh and so here's the deal i'm going to publish this live now claire and it's going to be unedited which means that usually when i don't edit things it's the, the main problem is usually just the questions that i ask that don't make sense or a segue that i take and you're like that seems unnecessary uh but I'd, i like i want to get this live because it was valentine's day yesterday it's saturday right now so i appreciate you making time for me on the weekend and i really appreciate you sharing your philosophy and yeah let's check in in a few years time and, and see how it evolves it's um yeah i think it's i think it's amazing that you know that i just feel like people are way more intentional with what they're trying to do in life than a lot of us were when we were your age and uh, I think it's intimidating on one hand because there are so many other ways to understand yourself and liberating on the other. And so I'm definitely curious to see how it pans out. Yeah, let's just try to, to take the best out of the situation mm -hmm. and, um, and live the, the happiest life we can, whatever uh, the romantic relationships we want to have with who or that we don't want to have. Love it. Love it. Claire, if people want to um, find you on the internet or have a chat with you, where's the best place to find you, to locate you? 
well, I think Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, just look uh, for Claire Jolie or Claire Marie Jolie, uh, and you will find me there. Awesome. I am going to connect you to another Claire. Her name is Claire Barry, and I'm pretty sure she's in Paris right now. Yeah. Uh, she's a writer. She gets up to a lot of mischief. She's very active on the internet, and you might have a little bit of fun together. I'm going to send an email as soon as I get off this interview. But thank you so much for joining me today on Sweathead, Claire. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark, for your questions. I really loved uh, speaking with you today. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>